I'm genuinely curious what part two is. Like, I have no idea, but I don't know. We'll see. I have eaten a lot of $4 gas station Chinese food. That's like a weirdly specific set of words together. $4 gas station Chinese food. So let me explain. Uh, When I was working on my master's, I was living with three roomies in a rough part of South Fort Worth, and none of us were exactly thriving. So we were all trying to figure out how do we stretch our money. And one of the ways we could do that is every Friday we could go to a sketchy at best gas station just down the street uh, in between 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. And if we went in between 8 p.m. and 10 p.m., we would go inside and they served this Chinese food in kind of like a little bar area that would be uh, inconsistent orange chicken and soggy lo mein. And um, we could go, if we went in between 8 and 10, we could bring a big container and we could fill it up with anything we wanted. And we would put it in that container. Like, you didn't even have to be able to shut it. Just like, yeah, you can just load it up. Because at 10 p.m., they'd throw it out and give it to the raccoons or something. But, like, we would go, we'd load up in the truck, we'd get that food, and we'd go back to our apartment and we'd pray over the food. And it wasn't like a pass the bread, pass the meat, thank you, Lord, now let's eat kind of prayer. Like, it was a very honest, kind of graphic prayer. Like, God, thank you for my friends. Thank you for this food, for providing it for us. Would you please keep all parts of our body in the right place and keep everything inside us that's supposed to be inside us? Amen. And, like, sometimes he answered that prayer, and sometimes he didn't, okay? Like, I ate a lot of $4 gas station Chinese food. That was my normal Friday meal. Until one day... I got an email from my buddy JT, and he emailed like 60 of us. And he just says, hey, if anyone's free for lunch on Friday, would love to have you guys. We're going to meet at the church at this time. All I need is a yes. Like, I don't know who's going. There's a lot of people invited. There's no, it's the first 10 to say yes or in. Uh, I don't know what it's going to cost. Like I checked my bank account, like worst case scenario, we're doing an appetizer and water situation here. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be. Don't know where we're going. But so you know what? Yes, let's do it. Yes. And so some people reply, and we meet at the church, and we consolidate from our 10 pickup trucks down into four pickup trucks, because still Texas. And we go, and we follow JT, and we get to a restaurant. I start to realize that, like, I am out of my pay grade situation here. And then he tells us all, he goes, hey, guys, I love serving with you. This is my gift. Just enjoy it. We're going to have a blast. And he took us all to an all-you-can-eat Brazilian steakhouse, like a very nice Brazilian steakhouse. And so that Friday, I went from $4 gas station Chinese food to all-you-can-eat filet mignon and ribeye and picanha, and I never went, just kidding, I went back like the very next Friday. But like it was still a, like a, a week-changing meal, all because JT was incredibly generous, and I said yes before knowing all the details. Right? Sometimes we get to say yes, and we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe that's saying yes to hanging out with a friend, and then that friend becomes a best friend or a new circle of friends. Maybe it's yes to a job that actually ends up even changing your career or moves you across the state or even around the world. I mean, maybe it's saying yes to church. I know there's some people here where church ended up changing their life because they said yes to an invitation from a friend. Maybe that's saying yes to a date that eventually led to a family. Like, who knows? But sometimes just saying yes can change a lot of things. It's the same way when we say yes to God. We don't always know what's going to come from it, but we know that it could change a lot. God wants us to say yes to him. He's always wanted that for his people, and he wanted that for the people of Israel. Actually, what happened is he would take the people of Israel, and he would rescue them, and he would change their circumstances time and time again. 
we're in our series, Not So Superheroes, like our incredible commercial was demonstrating. And we're going through the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, we see the same thing happen again and again. Adam actually talked about this last week. It's called the sin cycle. All right? This is like the story we see on repeat in the book of Judges and sometimes in our lives. So we start out with sin. All right, So the Israelites would sin. They'd walk away from God. They'd typically start worshiping a Canaanite God. Uh, and then they would actually be oppressed by the people of Canaan. They were supposed to drive them out. They didn't, so they would end up worshiping their gods and then being oppressed or enslaved by them. They would realize, hey, this is wrong. This is miserable. And they would cry out to God for help. They would repent. They would realize what they were doing was wrong. And they'd repent. That means they're asking God, hey, this is wrong. Help me change this. And then God would deliver them, typically through a judge. So a judge was a local tribal ruler in Israel. They would often provide deliverance through a military battle. And then there would be peace, often for the lifetime of that judge, until eventually they would find themselves in sin again, repeating this cycle. I mean, we do that sometimes. But there's sin, oppression, repentance, deliverance, and peace. And in our story today, we see all five of those as well. We're in Judges chapter 4 and 5. So there's just a couple of characters for us to keep in mind in this story. First, we have Deborah, affectionately known to the Israelites as Little Debbie. Uh, actually, probably not. I don't think that would fly. Uh, and then we have a non-political Barak, okay? We do not know his political affiliation. We do know he was an Israelite general, okay? We have, we have Little Debbie, we have Barak, then we have Sisera. And Sisera is the bad guy. He dies. We'll get to that. All right? Those are our characters. Deborah, Barak, and Sisera. And so we start this story off with sin. All right? In Judges chapter 4, verse 1, we read that after Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil, so sin, in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to King Jobin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera. It's a bad guy. Who lived in Harosheth Hagoyim. And I don't know if I said that right, but you don't either. (laughs) And Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, so massive military advantage, right? So we think chariots, we're not intimidated. Think 900 tanks, right? 900 iron chariots ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. It's oppression. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Repentance. Here's where the deliverance part starts. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. And she would send her to the palm of Deborah, which is cool. Kind of like a tree named after you. Like if there's like the maple of Tem or like the oak of Eric. I mean, a reed's actually a plant, but it just gets stepped on all the time. So we're just going to gloss over that. Uh, between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. And then one day she sent for Barak, her general, son of Abinoam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. And she said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And I, speaking for God here, I will call out Sisera, who you're afraid of, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River. And there I will give you victory over him. So Barak told her, so it's really even Barak replying to God here, I will go, but only if you go with me. I will go, but. Yes, but. We do that sometimes. Or it's like, yes, I will eat dinner, but only if I get to have dessert afterwards. Or, yes, I will save money, but only if we're saving for a vacation I want to go on. It's, it's, it's a yes, but it's not really yes. It's qualified. It's yes, but. So that's what Barak says to God. And very well, and this is Deborah replying, very well, I will go with you. 
But you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. Not actually talking about Deborah, like we're talking about another woman in like literal hands of a woman. We'll get to that. And so Barak says, yes, but. And Deborah says, yes, to God. Two different responses. And then Barak gets his soldiers, and they go to the river, and God calls out Sisera and his 900 iron chariots and all of his warriors, and there's a battle, and the Israelites win. The Bible says that God put fear into the enemy soldiers. And I don't know if he did that supernaturally or naturally, but I know that the Israelites won a massive victory there. And Sisera, bad guy commander, escapes, and he goes away to a nearby encampment. So he goes to the encampment, and there's a woman named Jael there. And so she opens the tent like, hey, come on in, I got you. Lay down, I'll hide you. She gives him a drink, he falls asleep, and then she takes a tent peg, she shuffles over there. I don't know if she shuffled. She goes, shuffles over there, takes it, and then squelch. That's my sound effect here. Takes the tent peg, drives it into his head. It's a gory graphic situation, and he dies at the literal hands of a woman. Point one for Deborah's prophecy. And then she goes and she tells the Israelites, and they celebrate. All of Judges 5 is actually a song about how God delivered them. And then at the very end of Judges chapter 5, there's a verse where it says that then Israel knew peace for 40 years. We see every bit of that sin cycle in there. We see sin, oppression, repentance, deliverance, then eventually peace. Because Deborah said yes. Barak said yes, but Deborah said yes. And God used that to change life for his people. God does that for us time and time again. God invites us to say yes to him. Now, that yes isn't like a, yes, will you go fight 900 iron chariots? Or, yes, will you take a tent peg to somebody who's an enemy? Like, no, that's going to get you kicked out of the campground, okay? Don't do that. But God does invite us to say yes to him. And he doesn't want a yes, but. Actually, God wants something that looks a little bit more like this. This is actually a childhood dream of mine right now, so I'm very excited about this. Thanks. Mom, that's for you. I always wanted to hold one of these. Like, I really, I saw the commercials in the early 2000s, and I wanted to one day be on a stage and be handed a giant check. Uh, in my dream, this actually had a million dollars, and it was a real check. So, you know, halfway there. Um, but you could just buy these, by the way. It's really cool. They're not real. There's no account numbers, but it's real to me. Um, actually, I know a lot about checks. And the reason I can say that is because recently, I did not know a lot about checks. And after incorrectly filling out multiple checks for a contractor for some home renovations, I now know a lot about checks. Let me explain. Ready? So you put the date. It says date. Pay to the order of. You put this to the contractor you're supposed to pay money to. It's not specific at all. Um, you sign it down here. That's actually very important because I didn't do it. And then he brought it back to me. You also do not sign it back here because I did that and it was brought back to me. And then you put the money amount here and here, both. I got that one right, though. Don't worry. I did genuinely have to do multiple checks over. I also learned that it's kind of risky just to have a check and just to leave it around, right? Like Some of you know that's a really bad idea. I now know that's a really bad idea. Because at that point, it's something called a blank check. All right. So if you have a blank check and it's made out to somebody, say me, just kidding, don't do that. Um, but if you have it made out and you don't put the dollar amount here, then someone can just write whatever they want in there. And then if they take it to your bank and they like, I don't know, really awkwardly hand it to the cashier or the teller or the banker, that's like you have already said yes to whatever they put on here. Like when you're paying a check to somebody, 
and you write out a dollar amount here, they take that to the bank, and you have told the bank, yes, pay them this, but not more than that. But if it's blank, and it's a blank check, you've just said yes for anything you have in your account. That's actually what God wants from us. All right? It's cheesy, but I think it, it works. A blank check, yes. Right? That's the kind of yes God wants. Not a yes, but a blank check, yes. So that's our idea for the day, is to give God a blank check, yes. What does this look like? Right? What does this mean? It means trusting God with whatever we've got. Because a blank check feels risky. It requires trust. Um, getting married soon, and so my fiance and I have been in that process of combining our finances and are thinking specifically of a time I went to my bank and I was kind of doing the prep work to get her added to the accounts. And as I was doing that, I was, I was talking with the banker and they said, all right, so do you want to add her to just this account? Do you want to add her to these? And you're like, you don't have to tell her or do you want to add her to all of them? First off, like, that was kind of like a weird way for the banker to imply that. Um, there's just scary thoughts that came to my mind when she said it that way. Uh, but then I also like, I had a, like a mild panic of like, wait, do I want to add her to all of them? Like, I know that's the plan, but like, do I? Like, if I do that, I have told the bank that she can take any amount of money in here and go and spend it at Target without even telling me. Like, do, do I really want that? And it's like, I remind myself, okay, who is this person? Do I trust her? Okay, yes. A blank check is like an old-fashioned way of giving God your routing number, your account number, your PIN code, your mother's maiden name, your social security number, and the exact process your mind thinks when you click on the traffic lights to prove you're not a robot, right? Complete access. And that's what God wants. Not a yes, but, but a blank check yes. Feels risky because it requires trust. Now, this can look different for all of us, all right? But there's some things that I believe God asks for all of his followers to do. To trust him, to follow him, to love him, to actually love people. Like, not just tolerate them, but actually love people. To share the hope of Jesus with people. Like, God asks that of all of us. And sometimes God puts a specific ask on our hearts. So there's a general ask that's for everyone, that if you're a follower of Jesus, God is asking you to do this. But then there are specific asks, right? And a specific ask might be a a specified version of something general, or it might be something he just puts on your heart. Maybe he never puts on mine, but he puts it on yours, because that's what's God asking of you. This can look different. And so what I'm saying, I'm just giving some examples. I'm not saying this is what God is doing in your heart, but if God puts something on your heart, cool, I don't know that. Maybe God is putting something on your heart now or he will later. But what could a specific example look like? Maybe God's asking you to trust him with the situation in your life where you want to control the situation or the outcome, and God's asking you to trust him with it. God calls all of us to forgive people, but maybe he puts a specific person in your mind that he's asking you to forgive. God calls all of us to give and to be generous, but something I've seen like a weird number of times, never experienced it, but I've seen it, is like when two people, often a husband and wife, are praying about an amount to give, they don't talk to each other, and God puts the same dollar amount in both of their heads. Like that happens a weird amount of time. Sometimes it's like a specific version of a general ask. Maybe God's calling you to repent of a specific sin. Like God does that to me, 
where it's like, man, I know I'm supposed to stop this or change this. God's not telling all of you that, but he tells me that. Maybe God does the same thing in your heart. Maybe God asks you to trust him with a massive life change. I don't know. I do know a couple of things. One is that when God is asking something from us, he wants us to say yes. Not yes, but just yes. And I also know that God speaks to us differently. Because God's God and I'm not, I don't understand how it works. I do know that God speaks to us in the way we need to hear him. And that can look different. And that's okay. Um, I know that the few times I feel like I've really heard from God have often, this is just me speaking for Reed here, been when I was praying and I'm listening to God and I feel like I hear a quiet, gentle voice providing some direction. I know other people have heard from God differently. But I also know a lot of us ask the question, if we're honest, like, am I hearing from God or am I just having a conversation with myself like a crazy person? I mean, I've genuinely had to think through that. What is God's voice? Like, what does it sound like? Well, I know God's character is that he loves you and he's for you. He cares about you so much he died for you on a cross. So his voice will reflect that. Um, I also know that God is consistent. And so if you're wondering if something's from God and it doesn't line up with what we know is from God in Scripture, okay, that's not God. I know that sometimes we learn over time if something was God or not. And sometimes we have something confirmed for us. Like maybe someone else who does not know what you're praying about or you're thinking about will come up to you and confirm what God is saying in your heart, and they have no idea. I also know that God's voice can be convicting, but it doesn't condemn us. What does that mean? Well, God loves you. And because he loves you, because he loves me, he doesn't want us to live in ways that are disobedient to him. And so he will convict us. That's that gentle voice, often the Holy Spirit, that says, hey, that is wrong. Right? That's conviction. It's dealing with a behavior. But it's very different than condemnation. Condemnation says you are, and then goes on to define us in a way that's not from God. God defines us in the Bible, that we're chosen, that we're loved, that he cares about us. We're not perfect. We do sin, and so he'll convict us, but he doesn't condemn us. See, God's voice will always line up with what we know about him, what he's already revealed through Scripture to everyone. And maybe none of what I'm saying is connecting with you. And you're thinking, I don't think I have ever heard God speak to me like any of that. Okay, cool. Like, God speaks to us differently. He's big enough to do that. That doesn't mean that he loves you any less. That doesn't mean that you love him any less. Just be obedient and faithful with whatever he's put in front of you, even if that's a general ask for everyone. We all have next steps to take. But when God is asking you to do something, whether that's general or specific, he wants us to say yes. Blank check yes. And that's scary and it requires trust. But I believe two things happen whenever we give God a blank check yes. First, is that it will cost you. Like it'll cost you. And second, that it'll be worth it. If we give God a blank check yes, it will cost us and it will be worth it. I don't know what it will cost you. I don't. I do know that oftentimes obedience requires sacrifice, all right? And obeying God can cost us our comfort or our convenience, our status, our relationships, our finances. A lot of the things that we naturally race to accumulate, obeying God requires releasing those. I think maybe somewhere along the way, we've taken the promises that God gives of peace and hope and joy. We've kind of altered that in our minds 
to this promise that Jesus never said, which is come follow me and I will give you the life you want. Or come follow me and I will give you success. Or a healthy marriage and family. Or fill in the blank. Jesus didn't say that. What Jesus said in Matthew 16.24 was this. Jesus said this to his disciples. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. That's obedience that costs us something. And when we say yes to God, even if we don't know exactly how it's going to work, it often requires obedience, which means giving up what we want. That blank check yes is saying yes before we know exactly what it costs. But it will cost us something. Giving God a blank check, yes, will cost you, but I also believe it will be worth it. We just had the NBA deadline day. So we had a ton of crazy trades going on. And over time, we're going to look back and we're going to see who won and who lost those trades. But that's not really what we're talking about. Why worth it? Like, we don't make deals with God. Uh, I I don't think that's the right way to approach it. And Adam's actually going to talk about that on a different week in the series. So it's not like we're making a trade with God through our obedience and we're going to look back and be like, yeah, I won that deal. No. I do think we'll look back and say, oh, it was worth it. I can think about the times where I've trusted God or obeyed God and it cost me a lot uh, financially or relationally. And I also don't regret a single one of those times. I think I've got a lot of friends in this room who could say something real similar. Well, yeah, hey, it cost me more than I ever thought it would, but I don't regret it. Giving God a blank check, yes, means letting him rewrite our hopes and our dreams and our desires. He often takes our life in a different direction than we would want him to or than we would expect. But I also believe it's worth it. Again, that doesn't mean that it goes the way we want it to go. Uh, Maybe that means that during the process, we get to know God better, and he does something cool in our hearts. Or maybe he does something cool through our story or a circumstance that changed that we never even know about the side of heaven. But that in God's mind, it was worth it, and it was right. So I don't want to make a false promise. Like, if you obey God, it's going to go the way you want it to. Actually, I want to make the opposite. I want to say that it will cost you, and that it'll be worth it. Not necessarily that we will know how it's going to go. I think about my buddy JT and that invitation to lunch. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I'm so glad I went. I'm so glad I said yes. But I still didn't know what was going to happen. With God... Even more so. We don't always know what our yes is going to lead to, but I believe it's way more worth it than a Brazilian steakhouse. So what do we do? Like, What do we do with this idea of giving God a blank check yes? Two possibilities. Give God a blank check yes, and if you have something on your mind or on your heart right now, that's probably from God and not me. All right? So whatever you're thinking of right now, if there's something specific that's been kind of coming to mind, um, I think about Nike. Just do it, right? Just do it. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that's going to cost you. But God does. I've got a lot more confidence in him than me anyway. So just do it. Whatever God's put on your heart already or is doing right now, say yes to that. A blank check yes is saying yes to that. There's a lot of us, and I mean, I'm in the second camp right now where I'm thinking about, okay, God, what do I do? Like, I don't have something specific in my mind. What am I supposed to do with this? And I think this one's actually a little bit scarier. This is my challenge, is that we would say yes before we know the question. Like, that requires even more trust, to say yes before we know the question. 
when I pray, just speaking for me, this is how it often goes. God, I love you. Uh, I don't know what you're wanting me to do, but my yes is on the table. What are you asking for? My yes is on the table. What's next? That's just my personal phrase that I use. But it's this idea of saying yes before we know what God's asking. In a minute, we're actually going to have a chance to pray this together. And I'm going to be praying both of those. I'm speaking for me and to the extent that you're in. I mean, I'm going to speak for you too. But my challenge is actually that you pray the same thing yourself. We think about this idea of a blank check and that we're telling God yes without knowing exactly what we're doing, without knowing exactly what it's going to cost, but because we trust him and we know he wants our yes. I believe that if we do that, that it will cost us and it'll be worth it. So my challenge is I'm going to pray out loud but it's an invitation for you to pray in your hearts right with me. And we're actually we're going to worship and have a chance to say yes to God together. And that challenge is that you would pray yes, and that you would sing yes, and that you'd mean it. Whatever it costs, wherever it leads, because God's good and we can trust him. So, I'd love to pray together. Yes. Like, God, let's just start with that word. Just yes. Um, we don't know exactly what we're saying yes to because there's so many people in this room. Maybe you've got specific things you've put on people's hearts. And right now I'm asking that they're giving you a chance and they're saying yes. Maybe that's a yes to following you for the very first time. Maybe that's a yes to a step of obedience that you're putting on people's hearts. But we want to say yes, just yes to anything specific you're giving us. And also, yes, if we don't know what that means yet. Like, God, I don't. But I know there's people in this room that are probably with me where we're going to say, yes, our yes is on the table. What do you want from us? So would you give us clarity on what you want us to do? And then would you also give us peace and strength to obey? So, God, we're, we're saying yes to you. We're, to the extent we can, like I'm asking that we're giving you a blank check right now. Because we trust you, whatever you want, our answer is yes. We love you and we worship you. Amen.